Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. This is a space where we talk about what it means to awaken hope and empower change. Listen, for over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women who've been impacted by the commercial sex industry. And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love was born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along the way. I promise it's going to be a place of conversation and story. And we hope you learn something new. Maybe you see something in a new way. Fun fact, you're going to hear music because Brett and I are musicians. Yep. We can't just talk. Nope. we got to sing and play too. We do. Here's the deal, guys. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, that you'll tap into your own story and that you'll be encouraged to live and love well like Jesus. It's fair to say that over the last 16 years of working with women impacted by sexual exploitation and trafficking, one theme has emerged as particularly common among survivors. That theme is abuse. I will define abuse as any action or inaction that mars the glory of another human. I think back to faces and stories we have held in strip clubs in borrowed spaces before we had a building and in homes or in parks, now at our headquarters in Waco, Texas. When I visualize those faces and I remember those stories and I take a deep breath to process all that I have just borne witness to, it is the convergence of both the miracle that this woman is indeed alive and the deep darkness that at the hand of another human who marred their glory. Their worth, their value, their beauty was mocked, belittled, beaten, or perhaps exploited. Their bodies took on the rage of their mother's unmitigated pain or their father's unchecked rage. Their minds perhaps wondered as children where their food might come from. So they learned to steal from the convenience store with the other abandoned children on the block. Fear became a way of living, and they fought off the monsters with the soothing taste of stolen candy as adrenaline flooded their body. And then, at 12, the heat of liquor. Ah, that first taste, always chasing abuse. They numbed out to life and let life live them. Their hearts crushed by the caretaker, the friend, the family member who belittled, mocked, and swore at them through gritted teeth. Idiot. Slut. Stupid whore. Why are you so sensitive? Crying is for babies. You wear me the hell out. Or what about the woman who never even knew her parents, was adopted from someone and her new mom and dad were now addicts. They got themselves ready for school, then work, and they figured it was them against the world, a valid assumption for a child. Or maybe the woman whose mom was so dissociated from her own abuse, she had absolutely nothing to give her own child. Blank stares at the TV all day, and a monotone voice give barely a spark of synaptic activity. The child grows to mimic all he or she knows, blank, hollow, emotionless, disconnected. 
The mind, the heart, and the body all work now to cope with the abuse. Fight, flight, freeze. It's the brain's limbic train route to get to the next destination. And when you've been abused, certain responses are automatic, driven deep into the riverbeds of the brain's function. There's no real cognitive choice, just a physiological response, many times to something a survivor cannot even name. And they will claim, I'm just wired that way. However, we know that while they may have been wired that way, there's also this beautiful thing called neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to form and reorganize itself. This is a holy miracle, and we get to see it every day in our work at Jesus Said Love. Abuse grooms women and men for sexual exploitation and trafficking. It's a complete setup by the darkness. But abuse is also prevalent in those of us who have not been in the commercial sex industry or are a human trafficking victim, but are quite possibly servants, empaths, healers, leaders, yes, even the do-gooders have their own points of pain, and some of us have even suffered abuse. So... This is going to be our first podcast series, and while it may sound like a heavy topic, I believe you're going to find it hopeful. This September, you're going to hear from experts who help us define, examine, and equip us to understand particular abuses. And then the next week, you will hear the life story of a survivor of that particular abuse, a story of hope and overcoming And we need to hear these stories because I think it reframes how we view survivors and how we learn to empower them. So I'm excited that you're joining us today. I think there's a lot to talk about. I think there's a lot to digest. And I want to welcome my co-leader in this work who has been with me for the last 16 years leading Jesus Said Love as we tackle this heavy but hopeful topic of abuse. Welcome, Brett. Thank you, Emily. I got to say, that was this is my first time to hear that intro that you just wrote mm. with everyone else who's listening, and it's just remarkable. Mm. You just have a way with words. When you when you hear when you heard that, were there faces that came to mind? Were there stories? Oh my stories? gosh! Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, I even had the thought of 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 people who have never heard the words, I love you from their parents. Correct. That's abuse. I mean, you know, it's interesting because the person that I'm thinking of that I know of wasn't exploited through the commercial sex industry, but is a huge donor contributor servant. And, and she never heard. Here's what she heard. You're from her father. You're pretty, Mm. but never heard. I love you. Yeah. I mean, what a setup. What a setup to, in, a, in a trajectory that's kind of laid out. You know, she says, I knew he loved me. I mean, he didn't hit me. He didn't, you know. Well, sure. And there was probably even, there was probably not even any malicious intent on his part to withhold those words. Mm-hmm. But I think it goes to show us that even in our lack of vulnerability, mm. potentially we could 
harm. Mm, yeah. And again, that's not about intention. That's not about motivation. That's just the reality. If I don't ever tell my daughters or my son that I love them or hug them or mm. kiss them, mm-hmm. that potentially is going to mar them mm. down the road. You know, it's interesting about um, withholding. Um, and, and it depends and we're going to learn from the experts cause I'm, I'm so fascinated by this. You know, I've really uncovered so much about why I'm even doing the work that I'm doing by going back and seeing clearly my own story, things that I just thought it's just happens. I mean, these things just happen, you know, it's not that bad. What, what you and, oh, that was just so-and-so, or that was, that was just, them. It really wasn't about you. You know, that's just how they, how they dealt. That was just their style, just their personality. But when you're a child and you, you're on the receiving end of someone's unmitigated pain, trauma, rage, um, parents or teachers, even, I think of coaches, I think of teachers who speak and are in these places of authority over a child's life, doctors, right? Physicians, these are supposed to be your safe people. And when they withhold or they harm, they neglect, they abuse, they manipulate, they coerce, um, it's trauma. It's, it's, it gets stuck in us or it's abuse. And, and what we know of trauma is it's, it's unprocessed pain. Mm-hmm. And so you can have like, you know, survivors of different abuse and different traumas and at different levels. I'm certainly not saying that someone who's been, you know, abused through satanic ritual, sexual, spiritual abuse, it has the same outcomes as someone who's been verbally abused by a parent. Um, those outcomes may look completely different, but they might also look strikingly similar. Yeah. And I find it interesting that I, I, maybe this is, I don't know if it's cultural or social that we, or maybe it's, maybe it's the church. I don't know. could be that as I'm thinking, but that we, it's like we categorize different levels of abuse. It's like, okay. What happened to her? Yeah. That was abuse. Yeah. What happened to you was just guys being guys. Right. Ugh. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And and so we're I think there's so many of us out there that probably have experienced abuse mm-hmm. and we don't even realize it because we were so conditioned to go, oh well that's just dudes being dudes. Right. I don't I don't know that that's the case anymore. That in my own journey, I just think learning about this has kind of opened my eyes to so much more. And, and then on top of that, why do we got to compare it? Right. Why do we have to take this comparison approach? Winners I mean, and losers. <laughs> I'm, in a, I'm in a discussion right now. Uh, there was a thing at Baylor yesterday. The football mm-hmm. team um, had a discussion on it. They, they, they didn't practice, and I'm sure they didn't practice at the permission of their coach. And they had a discussion on race relations, and then they had a walk of solidarity across campus. And right in the center of campus, they had a prayer time mm-hmm. for our nation and for what's going on right now. And what I've seen all over the internet are people saying, well, where, why weren't they marching when the sexual abuse scandal was happening at Baylor? Mm-hmm. And my first thought was, um, cause they were in elementary school. 
a totally different team and a different mm-hmm. administration, different coaching staff. That was six or seven years ago that that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second thought was, why are we comparing tragedies? Mm-hmm. It's like we're trying to make a point mm-hmm. and we're comparing tragedies that, you know, the the systemic racism that that, that is totally blown open right now. Mm-hmm. So much pain. Does so much not lost. need to be compared to sexual. They're all traumatic things in the lives of humans. Yeah. And so it's like, if we can compare it, then we can kind of find out, oh, well, that's not as bad as that. Right. So you don't need to be, you don't need to be marching in the streets because that's not as bad as that. Yeah. And I'm sick of that posture. Yeah. I just, it's not productive. Right. And, you know, injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. Yes. And in the same way, you know, uh, trauma, you know, one type of trauma is, can't be minimized. And the unique thing I think about um, us as humans, I mean, we're just so fascinating because you really can put this, put the same scenarios and the same circumstances on on the same age, the same gender, the same socioeconomic status, and you can get two completely different outcomes. Yeah. You can get some outcomes that you'll see like this common arc or a common thread in recovery, but you may have a child who um, they're starting to study now, which I think is fascinating. I don't know if we'll be able to talk about it. Maybe maybe one of our experts can, but it's called, um, you've heard of post-traumatic stress disorder. I have. Okay, so women who have been exploited and trafficked, women in the commercial sex industry, um, it, it's been researched, which we think it's a low number that reported this, but the women who were um, researched reported that 69% of that pool had post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a rate equivalent to veterans coming home from major violent combat, like war. Okay, so we we would say, mm, that's pretty low. Like, we would say all of the women that we interact with have some, form. have some degree of post-traumatic stress disorder. It comes up. It especially comes up during access, mm-hmm. um, during those eight weeks when we're doing a holistic you know, job training program and we discover our leadership talents or we're going into you know, um, strengths, weaknesses. We're getting deep into spiritual formation. Parenting, Parenting. is a big trigger. It's a big trigger. And so we see those PTSD responses come up. Um, What they're studying now, and this is what I'm so fascinated with, is called post-traumatic resiliency. And so they're really starting to study what is it about some people? What, What is in that makeup that makes some people who experience high level or micro, you know, um, like abuse at at a very impacting level, like what makes that survivor resilient and what makes this other person who experienced the same abuse in the same way at the same time mm. and they don't they don't model they don't have that same outcome but i think what i don't know i'd love was to there see, an answer well there is i just don't know it Oh, uh, leaving, of course. Well, I, I mean, we, I, I I researched a little bit of it, but I want to have an expert on here to this talk. This is what to us I about. love about you. If you all could see the amount of paper that it is around you, to you know, because you love data, and I think that's a really good thing. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's just amazing. Um, but you know, I I think again, this is we're all human beings, and right. we're all very different. Yeah. 
And to, to assume that, for me to assume that, oh, when you, when, when you, Gus, the other day jumped off the pool house and cut your toe open and fell in the pool and we had to go get six stitches and now you're traumatized, for me to go, you need to suck that up, son, because I got stitches and it wasn't a big deal for me. Who am I to do that, right? He's 10, and that was a true story, by the way, that actually happened. My <laughs> point is that happened to me as well as a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, he may not remember it, or he may never want to jump off a cliff again because he's always taken back to that moment he sliced his foot open, mm-hmm. and then he didn't like the shots he had to get to get the foot numb to get the stitches. And so I think what we're, what I'm seeing in our culture today is we do this, we, we just look through our own lens. Mm-hmm. We look through our own experience, mm-hmm. and if, if what so we're biased. which is what we're seeing, if it doesn't add up and it doesn't fit in my rationale, then it's wrong. Or it's just not important, right? It's not as valuable. I mean, I'm not an African American male mm-hmm. or female for that matter. Mm-hmm. So for me to try to look at my friends of color and to try to apply my experiences on top of theirs is so ridiculous. Well, and it's just harmful. <laughs> yeah. It it just perpetuates and drives the abuse and the trauma deeper. That's all it does because what that says and or what it brings on what it says is you know, your experience is less valuable than mine. Yeah. Or it's just not as important. Right, less valuable. Or it's not real. Yeah. Um yeah, it's discredited. It's not correct. It, it has no merit. And so what that does is brings a compounded shame on the abuse victim or on the survivor. So when you minimize and when you dismiss or when you mock someone's pain and experience of pain that's very unique to them, you now cover it with a blanket of shame. Hmm. And depending on how close you are to that survivor, it can be even more compounded. Basically, like I think of shame as blankets of different weight. Okay, so like um, if I have been abused and I'm expressing this abuse to maybe a stranger which sometimes happens with survivors of abuse because we have bad boundaries sometimes and we start sharing our story with the grocery store clerk for some random reason. But she maybe doesn't, she doesn't know what to do with it. And she's like, "Eh, (laughs) you're weird, you know, or, oh, that's weird. I don't get it. That's kind of a, sometimes a a light blanket. You know, it's a light blanket of shame from, from someone I don't know. It's still shame, but the weight of it just doesn't feel. But if I get that same response from my group of friends, um, the blanket gets heavier. If I get it from a teacher, it gets pretty, pretty darn heavy. Mm-hmm. If I get it from the church, it is ridiculously heavy. If I get it from a parent, it is the most heavy. And I'm going to say this because that could be argued by some people. And I'm no psychologist and I'm no counselor. But here's what I'm going <laughs> to say. Our ability to connect with God and to understand God comes from our attachments to our caregivers. I I, I 100% agree. Okay, so 
the blanket, the heaviest blanket given on this earth is the, is the weight of the blanket of parenthood. Yeah, the people who are supposed to protect and it's provide. Everything. And- yeah, and attune. Like, the, I've learned so much from, like, the Allender Center just about attunement, which okay, is a great well, podcast, you, by the way. Yeah, attunement is a great word, by the way, and I'm glad that you helped bring it to our family here at JSL, but will you define it real quick? For yeah, who I don't? mean, attunement is just tuning in, caring for someone's needs. You know, attunement is, I see you. I want to hold space for you. It's eye contact. It's um, it's safe boundaries. It's li- a listening ear. It's the ability to hold space for someone else's pain. And to, as a parent, it means I meet that pain. Like I meet it. I match it. I say, oh, you cut your toe open. Okay, what do we need to do? How are you feeling? Would Are you ready? Okay, let's go to the doctor. Okay, this is going to hurt. They're going to give you this, this, and this, but I'm with you the whole way. Yeah. I'm not leaving your side. You've got this. You are strong and you are valuable and you're capable. Or it's, you know, the... <laughs> just real life. It's like the teenager. Like we don't always get this right, by the way. I'm not speaking as an expert here (laughs) because this is what it is, but this is not necessarily all the time what I do. I'm just learning that, you know, like our teenagers pain, like especially during this pandemic and the loss of friendship connection and the loss of school and the loss of privileges and routine and the luxury of like, going out like teenagers aren't supposed to be locked up with their parents all the time. No. They're just not. And or their siblings, they're supposed to individualize, you know, as part of the adolescent process and they haven't had that. And so there's this like amount of rage and anger and stress that can come from teenagers and I have to attune to that. And the honest answer for me is that I don't like attuning to that. It, it scares me. I don't enjoy, like, I don't, that's not one emotion that I really could say, yeah, I'm comfortable with your anger right now. In fact, I just, my own trauma story, I just, in the face of that, I usually just freeze a little yeah. bit. Well, I hear that. And I, yeah, attunement is hard. It takes effort. Like you yeah. have to, you have to put all your own biases aside and Listen, and it not, is and non-judgmental. You, you it's can't suspend, fix it, it's and you're judgment. just you're just listening. And and in those teenager moments, part of me is like, you're not going to disrespect me. You're not going to talk to me like that. You're not going to blah 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 blah. Oh, Why? Because many? that's because I said so. Well, that's how I was raised, and so it just instinctively it's moved that to that space. But to to pause for a moment and attune and think, okay, we've been locked up since March. Yeah. The world is not normal. Everyone is angry at everyone about everything. And it rages right below the surface at every single moment. So when I want to get pissed off that that server did it wrong and I want to punish him or her because Mm -hmm. how could they do that? And I'm paying this much money to come to this restaurant. And I have to think for a moment, they've been locked up too. Mm -hmm. They've been without a paycheck. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And so I think... All of us out there, it would do us well to, to, to really try to embrace some attunement in so many different sectors. Mm-hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, the teenager one is one that's, that's close to home for us. But I mean, I even think sometimes with, or all the time with the folks that we work with, or, yeah. you know, if you want to, if you're in the church and the church context, my gosh, we should be doing some attunement there. Cause Unfortunately, a lot's not happening there. And yeah. then we've got this whole political thing. And I want to attune to my friends who think differently, but sometimes they make it hard. And Well, the reality is if you, if you have not experienced attunement, and that is your needs being cared for, your pain being properly um, held. And if you haven't experienced that, the first time somebody kind of tries to attune to you. Like for instance, I, I just remember, and this is what a lot of our women experience is that, um, the nurturing kindness of a mother, the, the truly that kind of kind, sympathetic, like you are from me and I know you and I want to just bring you in like a mother, like only a mother can do, that kind of attunement feels real weird when you first experience it, if you have not been attuned to well. And so the cool thing is because the brain and the body can be restored. I mean, there's things that can be reorganized. There's thoughts that can be reorganized. There's pathways that can be made new. Um, and that's one of the most interesting things I've learned about trauma. And we can learn to attune to ourselves. And as we learn to attune to ourselves, we then can attune to others. So we really do have to practice what is my heart saying? What is my, what's racing through my mind or what is my body needing? You know, those three centers Mm -hmm. of intelligence, we really have to attune to those and bring them into alignment so that we can grant space for others. That's pretty good. I I mean that I'm automatically, I'm drawn to that scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. So I basically, I can't love my neighbor until I love myself first. And so what you just said was, I have to attune to myself. And in doing that, affords me the, the ability to be able to attune to someone else. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And, and, and even in my own experience, I, so I, I have a therapist, right? Yeah. And we talk and I, I probably could tell her I murdered <laughs> five people <laughs> and she would not flinch. <laughs> And not shame, and she and would have make a report. She probably she probably be a mandated <laughs> reporter. But my point is, is that I think that relationship mm. has has demonstrated to me attunement. Yeah, and not to say that our relation you're really good about that, but there's still moments sure. where I respond to you in shame. Why did you do that? Like, mm-hmm. why why are you an idiot? I don't say you're an idiot, but I'm thinking it. Mm-hmm. That's not a tuning. That's shame. I think the same thing sometimes. I know, I know. <laughs> but I, I wonder why a, a therapist is able to do that. But he, us as humans in our most intimate relationships. Yeah potentially still struggle at times. I wonder why that is. I, I think it's the third way. It's like the the like theory of the third, you know, it's the objective kind of the 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 other road. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I like to think it's not because they're getting paid at the end of the deal too. Sure. Well 
they wouldn't be getting <laughs> they wouldn't be getting paid if they weren't good at That's what they true. do, and they wouldn't be getting paid the amount that we have to pay them. You know, That's anyway. True. Um, That's true. Yeah, I think there's several different types of abuse because abuse is a very large term. And so we just wanted to use this podcast to really give kind of a, a view, a, an overall arching view. So question, what kind of abuses are we going to talk about? Okay, so on this month's podcast, this will be a series. And I mentioned this in the intro, but just to reiterate, I want you to kind of see how this vision hopefully will flesh itself out. And um, I really, really, really would love for everyone listening, if you like the content that you're hearing, I want you to share it because it's, I really, we're going to have some amazing guests on the show. Oh my gosh, you got and y'all. Now, yeah. We're not going to give it all away. You're just going to have to wait and see. So... <laughs> Um, we're going to have some amazing experts in the field and you are going to first hear from an expert and that will be a whole podcast diving into one particular type of abuse. So those particular types of abuses will be sexual abuse, which will include the many forms as we define what is sexual abuse. So we'll also define what is exploitation, what is um, trafficking, what is childhood sexual abuse. And so we'll go and, you know, um, explore and define and put some parameters around sexual abuse. And then it will be physical abuse. Okay. So let's, let's talk about physical abuse. Let's define it, put parameters, and then talk about the outcomes. What are the outcomes of sexual abuse? Emotional abuse, abuse, which will include verbal, mental, and psychological. Um, parental substance abuse. And I wanted to do this one because I want you to hear, um, because under law in almost, I believe in every, every well, for sure in every state, um, but also in other countries, that parental substance abuse is defined under the Child Protection Act as an abuse. So you can't be using drugs and alcohol and getting high and driving around drunk while you are raising children. You yeah, you shouldn't this, do that. Yeah, right. But it has severe impacts on the child. It has its I mean it is its own form of abuse, mm. which also leads to neglect and abandonment and physical mm-hmm. abuse and emotion. I mean, substance abuse is a gateway for all the other kinds of abuse, depending on what does that drug make that parent do right. to a child? You know, what kind of, <laughs> what kind of demons enter the bloodstream? I mean, if you will, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it takes over the body. It takes over the mind. They are not in control. They're at the mercy of a substance. And so when that happens, the child encounters a very unique um, set of abuses. And we want to talk about that as a whole, but we also um, then want to hear from a survivor of parental substance abuse. Um, We will go over neglect as its own form of abuse. Neglect is very particular and it's very specific. And I want to say this, and we'll talk about it more, but um, when we did our trauma trainings with Bonnie Martin, who, okay, I just gave one away, sneak peek, she'll be on the podcast to talk about trauma. But when we did those uh, trainings with her, 
She talked about just the absolute devastating effect of neglect on a child. And you know, when they did case studies of babies who were born in Russia or um, and who were left in beds alone, and I mean, really, their ability to live decreases by astronomical odds. I mean, as a human, you were made from community and for community. Your brain cannot develop without synaptic connections and responses of the brain. It cannot live. You will go brain dead. If you don't get anything, you die. You can be given, you can be given food and water, but the human species has to have human connection. It's got to have eye contact. The child has to cry and then needs to see, oh, here you are. Here's a bottle and touched and cradled and felt. All of the you know, autonomic nervous system is responding in, that, in the infancy. And when you don't have that, because maybe you have a heroin addicted mom or you have a, a parent who's left uh, for whatever reason, um, it has devastating effects. So neglect is something that's really fascinating to me. And, and it's survivors of neglect just have some very severe outcomes, learning, cognitive disabilities, all that kind of stuff. Um, abandonment. We will talk about what abandonment looks like. So this is the particular abuse of like, it's different than neglect. So abandonment, you, you have something and then it's gone. And so you've been cared for or you've been attached to this caregiver and adoption is many times a Mm. form of abandonment. And, um, so it's very particular. What were you going to, what were you going to say? Well, you, you filled in my words. Okay. What's the difference? Yeah. But we're going to go into like even more, like what is so different about these particular abuses. And obviously there's a lot of overlap sometimes. Um, and then we're really going to culminate, um, the end of the series on a topic that is very, very important to the work that we do as a faith-based organization. And we are going to talk about spiritual abuse. (laughs) And this is a big one. It's huge. It's huge. And it, um, in so many ways, the church as quote, the family of God basically reinforces sometimes, um, abuse from the fa- from the family sure. again the parent is the heaviest blanket to and and has the ability to either move a child towards this concept of god towards this concept of original goodness and true value and love imago dei you know worth no matter what you're worth something by this deep high powerful love being and so the parent has the ability to either help reinforce that idea. Or if they've abused the child, then the child, there's this deficit there. And we see all the time where churches that have cult-like tendencies or have mind control or behavior control tendencies fill in the gap of that parent, that void. And then it becomes God. And that is... Traumatic. Well, and I think you and I have a lot of, <laughs> I think we have a lot of things to say about this based in our own experiences. I mean, sure. even, even before we started JSL, we were on the road leading worship in churches around the country and 
We even had a couple of job opportunities within the church. Um, and I'll, I'll be the first to say I've got, I've got some church wounds Yeah, and I was a professional church person. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and, and I know some people, when we get to that part, some people are going to go, well, don't you think you need to, don't you think you need to offer some grace? Mm-hmm. Do you need to give some grace? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I, but I think that if, if we don't talk about this, then you're going to have people leaving the church right and left because they're so wounded by someone who meant well. Again, we're not talking about motivation. Maybe we are at times. I'm sure there are some people, I'm sure there are some pastors who are getting a big high on preaching about authority and you need to do what they say because they're an authority. And mm-hmm. oh, so it just feels so good. Oh, cause, yeah. And then they back it up with scripture. So then you can't get them. Because that's what God said. Um, But yeah, that's harmful. Yeah. So you know what grace is, Brett? I do. (laughs) But do you know what grace is lived out? It's the ability to say no to ungodliness. Yes. Grace teaches us. This is is scripture for all of you who read the Bible and, and love the scriptures. Grace teaches us to say no. To what is ungodly. Yeah. And if you are in a church system or a spiritual, any kind of spiritual community that takes away your agency to say no, um, and what they're doing is ungodly, then that is not grace filled. That is, you know harmful and spiritually abusive. So I just had so many stories just flash in front of my eyes when you said that. Really? Yeah. 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 I've got some stories. Well, write them down. You can talk to your therapist about it. I know. I don't know that I need to talk about here. I don't, I, we're not interested in outing anybody. No. I just, we just want to bring light so that we can all be healthier people yeah. and to understand these things. And in the midst of, again, the climate right now is so... I'm going to stick a stake in the ground on my beliefs right here. And yeah. if you don't believe this, then you're wrong. I think, I think that I think people, if you will listen, you're going to be really, really um, informed and that's going to knowledge is power. It's going to give you so much language for your own story. It's going to give you tools in which to see your loved ones, your your spouse, your partner, your children, the the kids that you teach at school, that your employees, because all of us were children. Yeah. So I think this podcast series is going to really help us understand several different nuanced areas that maybe we've been just so afraid to tackle because they've seemed way too heavy or, or we think about it in one particular way, right? you know, um, I will share and, and I, you know, I don't know that there will be time when we talk about certain topics and how we've encountered these aggressions before these abuses. But, um, I do remember, you know, a time, I remember several times that the church, um, was, I would experience, I I would call those experiences spiritually abusive. And they happened over a period of several times when I professed to have a call to ministry. 
and um, I can go through like abuse, you know, neglect, abandonment. Mm. Um, I can go through those particulars and say, yes, the church as a whole did this to me, or the church, you know, under the under the lens of of God and what scriptural did this to me. And one of those times, very particular, was a time where um, my face was cut out of promotional material for a camp, a series of camps that we, that we were doing for a large Christian youth camp um, organization. And they hired us yeah. to lead worship with our band, Brett and Emily Mills. And when we got to the camp, um, I think it was somewhere in Tennessee, when we got to the camp is when I noticed your face it was just your face. Yeah, it, but it, it looked really weird. Because my face had been cut out, so your cheek was like flat yeah. on one side. Because we did the I, whole like... I think like, I sent him a cheek, cheeks a touching. cheek picture or something. <laughs> and, you know, I I remember at the time, I was a young mom. I had just had Lucy. Lucy was probably like 18 months or something. And I didn't really have time to like feel incredibly hurt I really didn't. I was just plowing through. This is before I really was starting to deal with a lot of my own trauma. But when I look back on it now and I think of how hard, like, I tried to fight for a place in the church, you know, just a voice in the church and to have it over and over and over again. And then that time, very literally, like your image, you, Imago Dei, do not belong in leadership here. Yeah, because you're a female. Yeah, I don't have yeah. a penis. We got to have them. Only yeah. the men can be on the poster. And, and when I think back to that story, boy, it's such a pivotal moment in our in our life. Um, I, I, I think why... And this was not that long ago. I'm just going to say, that was about... 2009. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, because, or 2007. And I mean, I just remember thinking, or I mean, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't attune to it. Sure. I didn't make space for it. No. If anything, I was like, just get over it. It's just a poster. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just a poster to you. It was a big. It was a big. Yeah, was a I big mean, that was statement. a big middle finger, basically, is what sure. it was. Um, and so, you know, you had to feel the awkward, awkward questions of teenagers coming up, going, "Who are you? Yeah, why you know, are you singing from? Why, why are you? You're not on the praying. poster. Why are you up there talking? Yeah, where are you, Brett? You're not Brett. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so, I mean, I just think back to even those those times when I was dismissive of these moments when I could have very well used my position and privilege and power and power to go to those in charge and say, Hey, you may not have meant to be malicious, but you cut her face out and you need to, you need to make that right. Yeah. Or even better yet. I mean, and what we're seeing now in terms of athletics and things like this is going, if you don't change this, I'm not coming. Yeah. I'm not playing. I'm not lever I'm not using my talents and gifts for an organization that doesn't believe my wife has an equal calling. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so that's what it means to leverage our positions yeah. for those who are being marginalized and abused or neglected. Um And so I mean I think that translates over to 
you know, our friends who, you know, you're like, I don't, I don't understand black lives matter. All lives matter. Maybe, maybe, maybe don't say all lives matter anymore. Maybe just try to posture yourself to listen Mm -hmm. to the black lives Mm -hmm. and to hear what they have to say and to hear what they're not saying. They're not saying all lives don't matter, (laughs) right? They're not. They're just saying black lives matter. Mm -hmm. Because they've historically been more oppressed. Right. And so rather than trying to prove them wrong or to prove, well, you weren't a slave because that was 400 years ago, maybe just turn your mouth off and just listen. Like when I listen to my, and and you can go back to listen to these podcasts, Gary Wardlaw and Brittany Wardlaw. Um, When I, when we have our conversations and I hear He's like, Brad, I got to think about what it's like to live in a white person's world. I have to make three decisions for every decision. Yeah. And I don't have to do that. Right. And so anyway, all that to say that I think that applies in all of these different areas for us. I I think the the thing is we just got to listen more. Yeah. If if I can just boil it down to that, we just have to listen and quit trying to be right and prove a point and get our voice out there and. Well, and, and protect our ego and protect our power, which is what abusers are many times doing. Um, and so we want this podcast and this podcast series to not only help you potentially understand, define, um, bring awareness to these issues. We want you to be able to look at your own story to give language to your own particular abuses, if there are some that have not been dealt with. And then we want you to be able to spot abusers Mm. so that you can protect yourself, so that you can then protect those around you from them. Um, Because there are very particular patterns, and especially when we get into emotional abuse and which includes psychological and verbal, the amount of manipulation and the amount of, um, really just covert, like ability to like bring victims along is like astounding. And so if you don't know it, you don't even know what's happening Mm -hmm. and you don't know how to protect your girlfriend over here. Who's just going along with Joe Schmo and then all of a sudden winds up in the ER because she's got a black eye, you know, or she's been left with no money, you know, her bank accounts drained um, because maybe she was no longer of use to this particular abuser. So we want this to be empowering so that you not only know the subject, you know the story and your own story, but so that you can advocate effectively. So I hope that you'll join us. Anything else as we wrap up? No, I do too. And I, I hope, I mean, I know, I, I, well, I say I know. I would, I would presume m- the majority of our audience might be women, but I would hope that men would join this conversation. And, um, you know, wives, girlfriends, partners, whatever, get your man in on this. Yeah. Listen to it together um, because we're all going to learn together. I am so excited to hear, I mean, you've got a fantastic list of experts. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited to get to listen to them and learn from them and to talk with them and to um, just be better. Yeah. Yeah. Just be better with this stuff. Yeah. Let's, um, you know, this is what it means to awaken hope and power change. And so just just because a subject is heavy 
does not mean that it can't be hopeful. And so we know that this podcast series may feel and or sound heavy, but I think you're going to find a lot of hope buried in it. So send us your questions. Yeah, send comments, us questions. Pushbacks. Sure. Hey, I welcome a good critiques. What do you What do you want to know about? What do you um, Is there anyone you would recommend? Maybe that who knows where this series will lead us. So yeah, send us all your recommendations. You can email us, Brad at JesusSaidLove dot com or Emily. Yeah, that's right. Or Emily at JesusSaidLove dot com. We answer. Our, it comes straight to us. Yep. So. Um, would love to hear from you as we go through this. How how many episodes is this going to be? Do we know? Well, yes. I don't have that number right in front of me, but okay. yeah. But we're just going to let it play out and see. It's going to be the whole month. Okay. So, yes. You know. Yeah, I got it. Okay, guys. Thank you for being with us today. Maybe two months. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or two podcasts well, a week. Well, as you were just... Bonus. That's right. We yeah. don't have to do two a week. Yeah. This is going to be big. It'll be fun. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, learner is like my number one on the strengths finders. And I just love to learn. You do. Never stop. I love that about you. Yeah, I love you too. Okay. Let's go. Let's let's go go. get to it. Let's go. Excited. Share the love, people. Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus Said Love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. Yes. Because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world. And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info. And visit the website at JesusSaidLove.com for how you can join the JSL fam. Until next time. Share the love.